No. All right, so welcome back. We have only two or three meetings left with Brian Chan, you know. Maybe. We'll be crying then. <laughs> Everybody will be so sad. All right, so let's continue. We are on okay. page 303. Before this vision of God's providence, not only do temporary sorrows flee, but also the eternal sorrows that await a sinner beyond death. The consolation of grace that always comes to the one who has denied himself for obedience to God dulls and destroys these sorrows. Even death is no longer frightening for the one who has denied the self and submitted to God's will. For the faithful servant of Christ gives his soul an eternal fate into the hands of Christ gives himself up completely with firm faith in Christ, with an indomitable hope in his goodness and power. When the soul will leave the body and the fallen angels will brazenly, shamelessly approach it, it will make them flee with the power of its self-denial. Go ahead, take me, the soul will say courageously. Cast me out into the dark pit of darkness and flames. Cast me into the abyss of hell. If this is my God's will for me, if this is what he wants for me. It is better to lose the sweetness of heaven, easier to bear the flames of hell than to reject the will and decision of the great God. I gave myself to him and I give myself to him. He, not you, is the judge of my weakness and sinfulness. You, even in your mad defiance, are still only the doer of his commands. The servants of the prince of this world will stop in their tracks in apprehension. Seeing this courageous, meek, submissive, self-denial and trust in the will of God, they will flee in shame and the soul will travel without hindrance to the place where its treasure is, to God. There it will see him face to face, whom here on earth we only see through faith in his providence and eternally we cry out, glory to God. I would say that these few paragraphs are about true freedom. And uh, when we read that and think about that, uh, on one side there is like so greatness in that, but on the other side it is frightening. It's scary. It's, uh, it's really it goes like against something what is inside of us that it's insane to give up our own freedom in this measure to be totally submitted to God. And uh, even like he says that, like this soul says that, that even if, um, if God's will is for me to be in hell, all right. It's like horrifying, like thought, you know. But, and I think that this is a problem of of many people of this time that we want God and we want our freedom too. We want God and, and we want faith, we want to have a religious life. 
but we don't want to lose one ounce of our freedom to do what we want. And many times we don't think that uh, what we want, it might contradict God's will. And even our intentions are good, still we want to keep some kind of this um, reign over our own life. To, to, to hold our life in our hands, to be those who uh, give direction to our life. We want to somehow have this protection of our life in our hands. Uh, it's difficult for us to trust totally to God that he will take care of us. And um, so there's a lot of things um, from, from uh, this desire of passions, from uh, this desire for freedom, uh, our own freedom, uh, and uh, not a lot of trust to God's providence. All those things are causing that we are not submitted to Christ, to God. This was before the end of liturgy. Uh, we always pray uh, when we let us commit ourselves, one another, and whole life to Christ our God. This is like, this is like the request or the prayer that we want to be under the reign of Christ. But it it doesn't come just with one decision that I want. It's it's like nice to say, and, and it sounds very good, I want to give rule of my life to Christ. And it's emotionally nice, and we feel well when we say this. But true is that we have to learn to do this. And it means to give up many many of our plans to do. And uh, my brother, he was telling me one story about uh, his experience with a friend, another priest, and they were talking about some kind of uh, part of this, what Father said. And it was like challenge there that really to make radical decision for life. And my brother was saying, well, this is what we are supposed to do. And the other priest, he said, he was like refusing that. Uh, well, and, and he gave good, good, like uh, reasons for that as well. You have to take care of your family, you have to take care of this, this, this. You have to have your life like in hand, you know, you take care. And, and the problem is, and we were talking about that and said, well, he was right, but he was in, in some point, he, and he, he really was sure about that, what he's saying, because he didn't penetrate deeper. Once we start to live step by step, go deeper to spiritual life, and we go back, and one of these first chapters was on the commandments of gospel and commandments, uh, how to follow Christ. 
So yes, it was challenging, but if we try to make one of these steps to to practice that slowly, we find out what is hidden in these words. Experience comes, which gives us ability or strength to have trust in God. If we don't practice these commandments, which we hear in gospel, we can find in gospel, if we don't practice that, we never come to deeper faith, deeper trust, and then to this freedom. Because only through keeping commandments, living this, or, or trying to start this life of following Christ in some kind of radical way, only then we can discover truth, discover, we can gain this experience, what does it mean to live with Christ? And then many things which seem to us very difficult, radical, not we are that we are not able to to do to it becomes more easier, doable. And what was our wisdom before we start to see oh we it was illusion. I lived in illusion. And uh, so I, I know that what he puts here it's it's something that is connected with these heights of spiritual life and we are almost on the peak of, of this ascent towards God. But still we should keep this in mind that, well, this is slowly coming to us, this state of freedom, when we try to live. It's, in spiritual life there is no, like, jumps that... Uh, Today I go sleep and morning I am one step higher and I say, oh, what happened, you know, I made a jump. It's a slow process and uh, it's a slow process and we have to be patient and to wait with humility when God makes us worthy of this grace to go up a little bit. But desire for this greatness should be in our heart. Craig? You're exactly right. The words that you're talking about is, it hits home. 20-some years ago, I went and listened to a priest. And he was an older gentleman. He was a parish priest that was doing some talks and talking about exactly what you know, we were talking about just now. He was in an automobile accident, and he died. And uh, I think his neck was broken. And uh, he actually had a near-death experience and had come back. And um, he basically stated that he was at the judgment. And Christ said to him, you've lived your entire priesthood for yourself. You have not, ever. You deserve hell. And he said he knew in his heart that he deserved hell, 100%. And um, he heard a, ver a voice over his shoulder, son, can't we give him another chance? And it was, he is yours. And he came back and um, ended up healing up and coming back. And he spent his whole life trying to tell everybody he could, I don't know if he's still living or not, that you, you, can't, you can't try and micromanage and control every situation. You know, you really have to enter into the spiritual and prayer yeah. and, and 
step by step, day by day, put it into practice. You just pounded the pavement with that message for years. Well, and usually these extreme situations which come to our life, uh, they bring this some kind of, they give us this shake mm -hmm. that one deacon told me that uh, what happened to him was that morning, one morning during weekdays, he went to church, he went for confession, he stayed for a liturgy, he received communion, and then from the church, he, went, he was trying to get to the work. And he said, when he turned from parking lot, street, I, he explained how it was, but uh, the car which was, should stop on the stop sign didn't stop, and phew, he got like the side of the car hit, and uh, well, the car was like damaged by, uh, but he didn't experience any, any like trauma. And um, he said that, well, at that moment, the one thing was that, um, that his first thought was, you are not ready. And it was powerful, uh, he said it was very powerful experience for him because he went for confession, he received communion. It was so okay. It's for us, uh, we would be okay. He was ready or he was prepared, but he felt that sure, sure, he's not. And, and this is something what we, how God touches our lives in many these situations that many times we live in this illusion that, well, we are doing well, and then the situation comes and suddenly we see, oh no, it's not so good. I'm not ready yet. I think my come with not only this extreme situation, sometimes it is this touch of grace without some kind of accident or this that we are touched inside. Uh, many times you you go through branching, you know, for example, others and or many other ways that which gives us the shake inside and we see, we say this, and this is this is something when we say should say, glory to God. Yeah. Glory to God, because and this chapter teaches us that. And he, uh, but talking about that, Abraham like gives this whole chapter to to this. Uh, importance to give uh, things to God and uh, it, it's very good because when he went through all these aspects basic aspects uh, of spiritual life now he gives us this chapter uh, pushing us to give thanks to God all the time um, and we have for example Saint Isaac Syrian says that 
I can't recall exactly, but um, if, okay, gratitude attracts more gifts from the giver. I don't know if I'll translate it well, but it means that if we recognize and give thanks to God for something that we received from his grace, this our thanks attracts more grace immediately. The answer is more grace. This is why sometimes uh, uh, when we uh, there's uh, people ask I, I don't know if but I heard this explanation well but I like that so I uh, pass it you know that the question is when we approach icons so he's cross ourselves three times and we kiss icons and we cross once more. And uh, the explanation why we cross after once more. And uh, the answer is that we cross three times because in our Holy Trinity and we approach icon with some kind of short prayer or just showing reverence. And uh, the, when we do this, this our act gives us, brings us some kind of blessing. And this that we bless ourselves after it's sign of gratitude. Thank you for the blessing. And it is it is something what is amazing, you know. The same thing is that when you see Deacon and that it was the same priest, he gave him the lecture that that we see Deacon, that he, after each litany, crosses himself. And uh, why? Because he sings petition. People say, Lord, have mercy. They ask for this grace. And Deacon crosses himself as a sign of thanks because we ask and we got. We received. We, it was granted to us. So this grass is grass uh, is is like sign of thanks, and and so you can like liturgy is like fill of and when you start to put it, the things together, so while well, it is always like we ask but we receive, we ask and then we say thanks immediately and we got more grace and we, so it is like nonstop exchange of these gifts, requests and thanks during the whole liturgy and this be this should be somehow present in our life that that these are during the day these these thoughts about which comes from heart filled with pain over our sins and this heart is calling upon God Lord have mercy on me and but in the same time I should say thank you O Lord for everything and this this the circle should be like non-stop, you know, because, uh, and, and we should realize that we, if we ask, we are receiving. But the second thing is that if we are not able to somehow use all this grace which is given to us, it's another thing, but still always we are able to receive at least something. 
and if you are thankful for that, so then uh, we have we have multiplied this this grace. I don't want to use this mathemat uh, math, you know, like somehow, but it it is working this this way that these these gifts are multiplied if we are thankful. We went too far. Well, we will not finish in two weeks, two months. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God, what powerful words during our times of trouble when the heart will be surrounded and battled by thoughts of doubts, faint-heartedness, lack of gratitude, and complaining. We must force ourselves to constantly, unhurriedly, and attentively repeat the words, Glory to God. Whoever will believe my advice in simplicity of heart and will practice it in actual fact will see the miraculous power, <coughs> power of the praise of God. He will rejoice in receiving such a beneficial new knowledge. He will rejoice in achieving such a strong and effective weapon against his spiritual foes. From the mere sound of these words, uttered during the attacks of dark thoughts of sorrow and despair, from the mere sound of these words, uttered even unwillingly, through forceful self-will with the lips alone, the princes of the air shudder and flee in terror. All dark thoughts dissipate like dust in a strong wind. Heaviness and boredom leave the soul, and lightness, calm, peace, consolation, and joy settle there. Glory to God. So, Ranchino is offering us this very short but very powerful prayer, which is glory to God, very simple. And um, he says that it makes miracles in us, that he has this huge power if we use this, this, uh, uh, this prayer. Uh, but, uh, but we know from our own experience that well, it's easy for us to say this prayer, and for sure we say this when we experience something good, something what we consider as a blessing, as a something what good, something would touch positively our soul. But all these, like these teachers of spiritual life, they say, well, we should especially show this prayer and to uh, say this prayer in the times of difficulties, trials, temptations. And, uh, and because of that, this, this prayer, we use it with difficulties uh, in these times. Because it seems to us that there is nothing we should be thankful for. But we have to, again, re if we recall all, and it's difficult after s several years going through, we probably forgot many things that uh, are not in mind. But if we recall, when he talks about cross, when he talks about passion, when he calls about prayer, when he calls about heart, tears, uh, self-accusation, uh, uh, many other things. So we know that 
each trial, each temptation, each pain, we it, be, it can become or is or can become a thing which strengthens our spiritual life and transforms us. And if we start to read this teacher of spiritual life, these holy fathers, it is like non-stop talking of praising suffering. And I say, well, without suffering, there is nothing, nothing can happen. And actually, they would be very suspicious if somebody says, oh, I'm great life and I have no difficulties and, you know, everything goes well. They would say, oh, something's wrong in your life, you know. Test your heart. Because, uh, because they, they see the suffering, this way of cross, as a way uh, we should go through, through to heaven. And, and they are right, and because we know that it is many times these trials and difficulties which moved us on this path to our salvation. It was not those easy days in our life which moves, moved us closer to God. And because of that we have to, in, even in these moments, we should be um, thankful even for those difficulties. I was just so moved by the, <clears throat> from the mere sound of these words, uttered even unwillingly, mm-hmm. even, um, even unwillingly through forced self-will with the lips alone, not even totally, not even meaning it, just making ourselves say it, the princes of the air shudder yeah. and flee in terror. It's that powerful. Yeah. And not only, not only that, uh, this, this is, but there, would you thank you for that, because I would skip uh, this very po- very important part, and we had to we had the Solax group uh, today, and there was one question about mercy. That that all sometimes you can uh, it's not a real mercy, it's not perfect mercy because we are somehow we are tainted with some kind of intentions. But true is that with all things that if we want good things we have to always force ourselves if we want to serve really God it's without forcing ourselves it's impossible we almost always have to do violence to our will and for sure we will not do it like to say this thing, uh, thanks to God with some kind of excitement we will force ourselves but Slowly, when we force once, second time, it we will find we will be we will experience this power of this prayer, and and it will grow. And it, it is with everything else. Maybe our mercy towards others may be taint, tainted by not the best intentions. But if we force even to this kind of mercy, next time it was more cl- uh, more more clean. And uh, yeah, thank you for it. Even force yourself, and 
we have to do it many times. Humility? Or is, is the fact that you're giving thanks during sorrows or physical trials or spiritual trials, is it, is it because it's humility? Is it humility a factor in there? Because St. Anthony of the Dead talks so much about the evil presence can't stand humility and remaining humble and realizing that you can't do anything without God. It drove evil nuts. And I was just kind of wondering if that was on the same lines. I would say that, well, sure, humility, there is a place for that, but uh, if we see uh, our, our life is a life through which we are preparing for heaven, okay? So we are learning to live heavenly life on this earth through entering to this intimacy with Christ. So, if we have this good intention and we want that, for sure God will become our guide. He will, is going to help us with that. And now, as we know ourselves in our, uh, like this corrupted will, we, our inclination is not to heaven, you know, to earth. So many times we are stuck on our path, and those are those trials or difficulties or sufferings. Many times, God allows that because they can wake up us from this um, satisfaction, and they force us to make another step towards God you know so we we are more uh, if there are this so uh, ascetic uh, sees all these difficulties and of life as a opportunity to grow in virtues as opportunity to to um, somehow practice these virtues so a uh, person who wants to spiritually grow, who wants that, welcomes these this, uh, moments of difficulties as an opportunity which allows him to grow. And because we know that nothing happens without God's permission, so, and God is in everything, we give thanks to God for this opportunity that we can grow faster, you know. And it is it is sign, this suffering sign of God's friendship. It was St. Therese, she was complaining to God that, well, all, all your friends must so much, they have to suffer so much. So this is the way you treat your friends. It's, a, it's no wonder you have so few. Yes, exactly <laughs> this one. She was thrown out of her, uh, yeah, because she was thrown out of her uh, wagon, right? Yeah, wagon. well, this yeah. is this is what what is so good, you know, a good answer. But uh, but it is yes, there is only a few. But because you have to enter to this mystery of cross and to really understand, if you try to love God. 
slowly you start to understand this meaning or even of this especially of these sufferings which are entering to your to your life and and let's be clear you know then how many times we know that this suffering comes at and some kind of injustice comes and at the first moment you want to kill those people you know then you pray a little bit and suddenly you see this in different light and you say oh maybe i don't kill them mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and then and in the end in the end it might happen that you are crying because of the over their souls and you ask god for mercy for them you know so uh, i really i am i'm not saying that this but but without that uh suffering you would not go through this process and how many times it happens to us that well in the first moment we experience this anger something that well we and we want to do justice and then you realize okay this is not really what Christ teaches us what he teaches us and you go further and you try to change your heart according to these words and, and, and you repeat this process again 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 maybe thousand times in your life and, and but it it will change your heart but without that your heart will be not changed because you have to go through this painful process of transformation inside and and it is it is difficult and 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 we have to be aware that even we read these wisdoms we have to uh, realize that in spiritual life we are making small steps sometimes you know to transform our heart even we hear you know about this perfect mercy and we want to be perfect merciful you know we want it but we are not able to so let's be merciful as we can and and through this trying to be merciful and the one who forgives all time and loves enemy through this when we are trying that we we are uncovering what is in our heart which was hidden in our car, uh, heart and we start to fight against this and many times it takes like years even to uproot these passions uh, from our heart and but well but with each tr- step we are we are changing and but if we don't have these difficulties probably would never like think about that look i think that that it is our experience that we learn about ourselves the most during this time of crisis and like now you know, we are talking about before about ukraine this situation it was like um, it's that soci- sociologue that that person who teaches about society oh sociologist yes okay I, strange word for me mm-hmm. so there was an uh, interview with him and uh, he said look 
what this crisis did. How many people came out and said we were wrong? How many people who were average people, they became heroes? How many people who were trying just just um, live their lives, they showed themselves like cowards? How many lies were uncovered? He said that how this conflict this suffering, how this changed, uh, like uh, uh, many people, and, and let bring out what was in their hearts. So, God uses this this thing for our salvation, and this is why He chose cross as a tool of salvation. Let's. Glory to God. What triumphant words. Words that announce victory. Words that are the joy of all the faithful servants of God. Words announcing the defeat of all his enemies and the destruction of all their weapons. These weapons are sin, a carnal mindset, fallen human reasoning. They came about as a result of the fall and have sin as its source, sin that is rejected by God, that constantly battles God, that is forever rejected by God. He who is wounded by sorrow is tended to in vain by all the wise of this world. Useless is their medicine of oratory and philosophy. Useless is any effort by the sick one himself. If he wishes to untie the Gordian knot of his sorrows using his own reason, very often, perhaps always, human reason is completely lost in the web of sorrow. Often, the sick man sees himself entangled, bound on all sides. Often, the very thought of deliverance seems impossible to him, and so many perish under the unbearable heaviness of sorrow. They perish because of the fatal wound of sorrow, having found no earthly medicine strong enough to heal it. Well, when I was thinking about this paragraph, I, I, I think that he... He's great how he described truth. But well, why, what was my thought was that uh, in seminary, first two years we had like main subject was philosophy. And the professor, well, he was good priest, but as a professor he was like killer. You, you had to know, and it was, I, well, I promise, I think, before first oral test, I promise to get everything, you know, whatever, you know, just to make this, to go through this. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, we were, we went through this history of philosophy, it was one subject, and uh, from the beginning to the new, this present time, and especially the last three centuries, 
it was like name after name after name and uh, all these kind of schools and, uh, and the ways of thinking and uh, well it was overwhelming you know and and I never understood why we are learning about that you know and in the end of the semester he said when we, we finished he said that uh, now you see how useless are our power he said that none of them he said none of them gave us recipe for life they were trying to give us but they cannot defeat Christ and I, I thought to myself so why we wasted so much time you know? <laughs> to, to learn about them. Well, but it was interesting. But we can find even now, it's not only philosophies and different ideologies and some kind of movements and they promise that to solve some kind of problems of our life through their solutions. You know, and uh, they always get a lot of people that are like followers who would follow this philosophy and try to sometimes you almost be forced to apply it for for uh, for uh, apply it on to lives of other people and uh, I think in Florida now they gave some kind of new law and immediately they're like fight against the law just just because this law gives parents too much power in decision what children should learn so we can see that there there are some kind of ideologies which try to forcefully apply their way of thinking upon somebody and but it was always even like this false philosophies these philosophers they were trying to do this and ideologies but true is that nobody brings really solution there is a, some kind of boom for a while that people they get attention but then always come to conclusion that well it can offer anything you know like for example communism and I and really I talk to people old people who were communists and it was attractive for people because they live in poverty, uh, many, and uh, this communism was promising this dignity of life, was promising that, well, everybody will have enough. You know, it was, it was nice concept, and many, many became communists because they believed in this, they wanted this new world. And uh, when they came, came to power, Suddenly, all the, many those who <coughs> were really like with this desire were <laughs> they they finished in prison or they lost their jobs or something because uh, this party didn't need these dreamers. They they were they needed just followers who would rule with iron fist. But but it took. 
40 years, I think, when from the started, that in the six seventies, already, I mean, in Slovakia, everybody had clear idea. Even communists didn't believe in this. It was just for them. It was just tool how to live good lives. But they didn't believe in this ideology. So it didn't last for a long time. And, the, and if there is some kind of new ideology which comes, uh, it will not survive. So we should not somehow um, put our trust in ourselves, in our wisdom. Uh, our, if we received uh, gospel, we should use this gospel as a tool from God for us, which gives a real life, which gives a real freedom. And God is forever. So if you are not able to see, uh, to somehow follow this grace, I would say, uh, which comes, we should pray and ask God to really to open our eyes. Maybe we are able to receive all these advices gospel gives us in fullness. Because if not, we can be God's children or we can be slaves of many, many other human ideologies. So it is up to us what we are going to choose. Okay, are we able to make another paragraph? Mm -hmm. I try. <laughs> Earthly wisdom exhausted all its methods, and they were all found to be powerless and insignificant. My beloved brother, avoid everything that God has forsaken. Lay aside all the tricks of your own reason. Use the weapon that is given you by the power of the preaching of Christ. The wisdom of man will derisively smile when it sees the weapon offered by faith. Fallen reason antagonistic to God in its very essence, will not fail to offer the most intelligent protestations full of educated skepticism and irony. Pay no attention to these enemies of God, whom God has forsaken. In your sorrow, begin to utter from the depths of your soul, repeating the words, glory to God, not allowing yourself to think. You will see a sign a miracle. These words alone will banish sorrow and attract consolation into the heart. They will accomplish that, which the wisdom of the wise failed to do. This reason, this wisdom will be dishonored, but you, delivered, healed, believing with a living faith, proven to you by a miracle within you, will cry out, glory to God. All right, I think that nothing new Jesus continues in these previous paragraphs about about this earthly wisdom and uh, what he tells us and it's a good advice for us that to receive uh, gospel and to 
submit to our life to Christ uh, means that we have to somehow put down our own reason and wisdom of this world for solution of problems or the sad state of our soul. Um, and, and he said, well, this decision will be not easy. Uh, there will be, it will be connected with, with some kind of laughing from the world, not understanding from the others, and even this protest of our own, own reason. And uh, if, if we force ourselves to give glory to God, even in these moments, we can defeat this resistance from world and from our reason to to do this. Um, and, and it is not it is not uh, easy because if we are doing that, we will be experienced for a while some kind of solitude. Something like that we are alone uh, because we will feel this way. Um, and just example, one priest, he was in, he's my age, but when he was ordained, so he was, uh, Bishop gave him assignment to one deanery and he said he was like 25 and all priests were over 60 there <laughs> in this dinner. Well, don't take me wrong, these priests like him. They were happy they have a young priest, but they expected <coughs> him to do everything like they do, you know. And, well, they had their habits, which many were not very perfect, you know. And uh, he said, well, I like, the, I like them all, but he said, but when they realized that he is going his own way and uh, he doesn't follow the style they used to use for, for 40, 50 years, they were using that. He said, I am not part of their group. And he said, I'm so alone there so alone and maybe it's not the perfect uh, example but it is something that even like in um, uh, parishes these are communities uh, how many times it is difficult to start some kind of more radical life you know it's it's really it's really difficult because many times if you start to do something more you start to be more alone because you are losing like old friends you had before because you don't fit to their style it can happen and 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 we don't want to lose this friends we don't want to lose these relationships and many times we don't want to uh, we feel that we we would like to do something different and better because we learn something for, for example 
but how to explain it to these our friends that we are going to change or to start new habit and and we are we don't want to do this because we don't want to make them feel bad or we don't want them to think that we are making ourselves like about them and and this is so difficult and we have to but we have to learn how to do this even if the price is that we will feel a little bit alone, like maybe we will lose some friends or these connections we had, but um, uh, we have to be egoist. Egoist. I mean, egoist. I don't want to create scandal, but this one allowed egoism is when it is aimed towards our salvation. We should be egoists in a matter of our own soul. This is something that is priority and and we should take care of this to be really cons look at our soul and the paradox is that more we are taking care of our own soul more people and us are fighting salvation and this is paradox more we want to change somebody more people are running away from us more we try to 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 live and to work on our own salvation more people are attracted to God around us this is how does it work and uh, we should remember that. But I probably got too far what I wanted to say, so this. All right. Probably it was, it was everything, what I was supposed to tell you. <laughs>